You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. If I want to believe in God, I guess I must believe in miracles. Why? Where do miracles fit in belief systems that center on God? Most religions tell tales of miracles, especially miraculous events when they were founded. Miracles are offered as proof of special truths confirming each religion's superior connections to God or higher powers. Have there ever been real miracles? How can I know? I harbor no illusions that I could ever know for sure, so I won't even try. Rather, I pose two questions. If God exists, and if God works miracles, how on earth could God make miracles? And what would miracles imply about how God relates to the world? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. What are miracles? Here's a narrow definition. Miracles are purposeful disruptions in the regularities of the physical world whose originating cause is itself not of the physical world. I shall not focus on the critical view that denies the existence of miracles. I have no need to learn the obvious. I myself can argue quite nicely the skeptical position. I want to discern how good thinkers who believe in miracles can explain miracles and how smart believers use miracles to assess God's supposed intervention in the world. I begin with a leading British Baptist theologian, professor of systematic theology at the University of Oxford, Paul Fittis. Paul, I don't know whether God exists, but what I like to do is assume God exists, follow the arguments, and then by the end, see if that helps me determine whether that God really exists. Some say God is part of the world. Some say God is totally separate from the world. How do we understand the relationship between God and what God created? Well, God relates to the world in partnership. So God calls for cooperation from created beings uh, in God's project in creation. You could say that it's a relationship of participation. God participates in the world, and the world participates in God. Does God intervene in the world and do things that are counter to the laws of nature? I don't find the notion of intervention helpful. Intervention means literally to come on the scene. So it implies that God was absent somewhere and now comes in and appears. Mm It implies a certain coerciveness as well, a sort of breaking in, and it raises great moral problems. Why should God intervene in some instances Mm -hmm. and not in others? We're thinking about an engagement which is uh, one of persuasive love rather than coercion. The word intervention to me, as it were, flags up the idea that new things can happen in the world from the initiative of God things that have no precedent, 
things that don't just fall into an established pattern. And God can do new things like that because of the power of the love of God and uh, because God works together in partnership with the created world. When that partnership comes to fruition, when, the, when God receives that engagement with God's purpose, then actually very new things can happen. Don't very often we give the word miracle. How then do you classify miracle? Because a miracle is not a co-cooperation. There's no relationship there. It is a countervening of the laws of nature. I don't think it is simply unilateral action. A miracle is something which is, which is new, which uh, arouses wonder and attention, just because it doesn't fit into an established yeah. pattern. But then we might think of the laws of nature perhaps more as regularities than absolute yes, right. fixed yeah. laws. And so why should not the creator, working together with the creation, do new things within nature uh, like that? And I don't quite understand why you say it's not a matter of cooperation. Why should it not be? God working deep within nature, working precisely with the reality that God has created to bring about something new. But it is a, uh, a transgression, a change of the regularity. If it's not a law, it has never happened like that before, and perhaps not, not again. And there's no need for human beings to be involved in that. God is doing something different at that point. Well, I don't think it is a transgression. I think it's an extension of nature. It is God taking what is there and doing something new with it in continuity, but also in discontinuity. And I would see such events always being a matter of cooperation between God and the world, not necessarily human beings. I mean, one has to have a vision here of a whole physical cosmos that is able, in its own way, at different levels, to respond to the urging of God's spirit. But there is no reason why nature should not be able to respond in its own way to the indwelling power, energy, love of God. Paul defines miracles as something new that emanates from the cooperative relationship between God and the world. Miracles would be extensions of nature, not disruptions of nature, reflecting a deep, continuing connection between creator and creation. Why such a move? Is it needed to justify miracles? And how could God have set reality this way? I go from Oxford to Cambridge, to the Faraday Institute for Science and Religion, to ask a priest trained as an astrophysicist, Rodney Holder. Rodney, for me to accept the existence of God, particularly as told by the Judeo-Christian religions, I have to accept a constellation of things, that God created the world, that God intervenes in the world, the course of history, human affairs, miracles. Irrespective of the truth or falsity of that, I want to know, how could God do that, knowing how the physical world works? What's the mechanism? Is that even conceivable? Well, I think it is. I think we've moved away uh, over the last hundred years or so from a mechanistic view of the way the world works. There are two particular areas in, in, in modern science which help us in having moved away. One is quantum theory, which is indeterministic. 
and another is chaos theory, which, while theoretically deterministic, is inherently unpredictable. So this got, gives God an opportunity to fiddle in there at these so-called causal joints to, to, to play with the system? Well, it means that there may be opportunities for God to, to interact with the world through processes which are not causally determined from um, within within the processes of nature. So you have laws, but these are no longer deterministic. What about issues like the uh, conservation of energy, mm -hmm. which in a closed system, and the universe is a closed system, however big it is, uh, uh, can, you, can you add energy to a system by fiddling with these uh, situations? I think basically if you're talking about God creating patterns and, and not necessarily having to add energy, things can go in different ways, then it seems to me that it's, it's plausible that... So if they God. could go in different ways in any event, mm. God can kind of blow on it or something and just try to choose one or the other of the events that would have occurred anyway? Is that yeah, the thing? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, what, what I'm saying is that these are... I don't think that's right. No, I'm no. Just... <laughs> I mean, I, what, I, what I would say is when we're in this realm, we're, we are speculating somewhat. But fair, I think what enough. is being opened up here is opportunities maybe. For, okay. for the way God might interact. How about some of these um, you know, miracles which yes. would, would seem to defy physical law? Is that yes. something that, yes. that you subscribe to? Well, I, I, I do subscribe to God working through miracles. I mean, normally I, I would see him working through the laws of nature. I think he works in three ways. Through the laws of nature, which he, after all, constructed. Providentially, through these kinds of ways, possibly through chaos theory interacting okay. with chaotic systems by inputting information or maybe quantum theoretically i don't know but also on occasion through miracle what science does is discover the normal regularities of the way the work the way god works maybe one <laughs> could even put it um the way the world works but miracles it seems to me are by no means excluded from science. So how, how critical in terms of your ultimate theology is, is, is understanding how God interacts in the world? That God does interact has to be uh, yeah. fundamental. Exactly. But to see it as a, as, a, as a possibility in terms of a mechanism, how important is that? Not very. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I, I'm a bit agnostic about the various things I've described, which I think are uh, opening up possibilities. Rodney looks to quantum mechanics with its indeterminacy and to chaos theory with its unpredictability as mechanisms with which God could work to generate what to our limited minds seems like miracles. Yet Rodney also thinks that trying to figure out mechanisms for miracles is not very important. But I think this matter of miracles is important because unless miracles can make some kind of sense, the God that is supposed to work miracles may not make any kind of sense. I push for mechanisms of miracles by meeting an intellectual who claims to find God's direct intervention in the world, a leader of the intelligent design movement, William Dembski. Bill, as a Christian, I would assume you believe in what we'd call miracles. I do. As a scientist, you recognize that you have to deal with the physical world and be able to explain it, right? Right. So, how then do you take miracles, which 
certainly seem to either violate, suspend, or disregard, or abrogate physical law. In a sense, miracles are grace. It's something that doesn't have the capacity in itself to do it, so it needs some help, if you will, from outside. Now, if the world has a determinate character, then it seems that we can say, well, what are within its in the reach of that character and what is without. And then if a miracle happens, we can look, as it were, at certain antecedent circumstances and say, oh, this, these antecedent circumstances should not have led to this event. They should have led to some other event. Then it seems that we can look at that association and also understand the discontinuity. And I think that's as far, though, as we're going to be able to go in our scientific understanding in terms of what sorts of material processes were involved. I mean, if, in fact, a, a, a god who is a spirit, who is not a material being, is interacting with the world, you're not going to be able to get a mechanistic story. You don't like the word supernatural to describe a miracle. Why? Well, it, it seems to me what, what supernatural does, it's, uh, it, it, as it were, gives the naturalist or the materialist, says, you know, we're going to grant you that you know, you've got the right conception of nature and then God sort of gets in there on top of it. You know, and often it's put in terms of a dualism then. You've got the material world and then there's this sort of suspect realm of the, the supernatural which gets uh, laid over it. And it seems to me that rather the natural order or material world is itself uh, an incomplete characterization of, of reality. You know, so the, the materialist, it seems, says, you know, you're foisting something on what should be uncontroversial reality. And I would want to say, no, the uncontroversial reality is, is a much richer reality than the material world, which allows for miracles, which allows for teleology, real directedness, purposiveness. And your materialistic conception, sort of in terms of particles, the laws of interaction, uh, energy, force, uh, space, time, that that's an impoverished view of reality, that we need something, something that's richer. One of the cardinal principles of, of understanding reality, physical reality and science, is that it's a closed system. There's a conservation of matter and energy as, as one unit. And once you allow even one miracle, you're breaking that fundamental principle, are you that, not? That's where I would differ with you. It seems that, as it were, God can get in there without violating any conservation of energy laws or violating physical laws as we know it. Take quantum mechanics, for instance. I mean, you have a, let's say you've got a chunk of uranium that's decaying, and so the Geiger counter goes off right. or on. And let's say you just break it into uh, an interval, and when it goes off, you do a check. When, when it's on, you put, let's say you put a one, and then you put a zero. Well, now you break it into eight-bit blocks, and that little chunk of uranium is giving you the cure for cancer. You know, you know that there's a design that's coming through there. Yeah, it's a thought experiment, but you know, okay. there's a design that's coming through there. Uh, even though your best physics is telling you, well, this is just some uranium that's decaying. Even though there's no violation of conservation of energy or anything like that, it still can be an informationally open world. And that informational openness can still have real tangible effect. So in a sense, information can buy you uh, all the energy you want. <laughs> You know, but that, in, that information need not be energetic. It's information that's coming into the world that's making a real difference, 
could even be miraculous in, in some sense, and yet is not violating any physical principles. And I don't think physics is what's excluding God. You know, I think it's, it's more metaphysics and how we think about the world and what would be worthy of God. I mean, often it's put in terms of God poking the divine finger in there, but I don't think it needs to be conceived in crass terms like that. I think for the modern mind, miracles are articles of caprice. I mean, it's like the capricious deity has gotten in there and just done something, mucked with the system, you know? And the idea that teleology can be working itself out in a way that's coherent, rational, that where purposes in history, natural history, human history are being, being worked out. I think that's, that's a coherent drama, as it were, as opposed to just, uh, you know, some, an something odd that, intervention. Uh, yeah, an odd, odd intervention, you know, deus ex machina. I'm not sure we're ever going to get to, you know, where, where was the divine finger poked in? I think we, what we can do is after the fact, we can see, oh, here's the evidence for design. Here's the pattern that emerged that has to be the result of intelligence. But how that pattern got there, uh, we may not be able to, to detect it. It may just be for uh, human finiteness, our, our limitations of our intellects. To Bill, miracles are not supernatural, but rather an intrinsic part of a much richer reality a greatly expanded natural world in which God's purposes are fundamentally rooted. It's an extreme claim, a by fiat expansion of the world that seems more linguistic than scientific. But if there is a God, an expanded reality may offer a kind of coherence, better perhaps than here and there divine manipulation. Bill's God is intimately intertwined in the world, wholly active in its affairs. How can I explore such a pervasive God? I ask a philosopher who magnifies God's sovereignty, radically enveloping God's creation, Hugh McCann. You, how does God relate to this world? Well, first, there's the general way of God being responsible for the existence of the world. But then what we worry about uh, more, I think, in, in daily life is particular ways in which we think God might relate to us as believers or as, as people with needs or people who pray or people who, who uh, read prophecies and so forth. And, 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 the, and questions arise about how a God who is, as I think God is, a, a timeless being, how it is that he's able to operate in, in creation as far as uh, prayer is concerned, God in creating the world sees both the prayer that is made and, and, uh, and provides for the answer at the same time or in the same act. It's not time, but, but in the same action. So that the two come uh, uh, together in one act for God. Of course, for us, they're different but, uh, or occur at different times. Uh, but God can see those things and see the fittingness of, of the answer to the prayer uh, from a timeless perspective. And I, and I think, you know, take care of that pretty easily. So you have a timeless God who basically creates the universe uh, in that one timeless moment. Right. So the causal sequence is like an illusion. God, God created the universe to give us a sense of an illusion. Well, no, it's a te it, there, there's a temporal sequence there that's real from our point from of view point. as temporal beings. Right. So that's real. The thing is that from God's perspective, it is not, as it were, viewed seriatim, but viewed as a whole. Okay. And, uh, and created as a whole. But it can run the same way uh, either way, and there's no diminishment of God's involvement or God's providence or anything that goes that way. And everything's the same. Anything in terms of sure. God's intervention 
Yeah, well, and, and we, we haven't mentioned miracles, but miracles would be similar. Mm -hmm. and, uh, some people think that a miracle has to violate a law of nature. I don't think we know what all the laws of nature are, so I don't want to be committed to that. But it has to be the case that whatever it is that's unusual or peculiar about miracles, that whatever that is pro provided for in the order of providence along with everything else. And it's probably no different in the, in the way that it's provided for, than no different from what happens with answering of prayers. As I see it, God is fully involved, as fully involved as he could be with the existence of everything occurs, that occurs in the history of the universe. So he couldn't intervene. He's already as fully involved as he could possibly be. There's no, there's no, there's no space for intervention in, in a situation like that. To Hugh, God does not need to intervene because God's creation is already comprehensive. There are no options in that options are in some sense impossible. Everything that happens, including what we call normal and whatever we call miracles, is the same kind of thing. Hugh's God is an absolute sovereign with only one way for creator and creation to be. Here's what's clear. How one views God's intervention in the world affects the kind of God one thinks exists. How to describe or delineate such a God? Could discerning the apparent effects of God's intervention help? I asked the British philosopher and Anglican priest, Keith Ward. God is the creator of the whole universe, so uh, is not an object within the universe. So you shouldn't expect, I think, to see God as a particular agent in causing identifiable changes. Rather, the actions of God would be the way the universe goes. And that means you, have, you would be seeing the universe personalistically, if I can put it like that. That is not as a machine or not as a set of blind um, laws operating, but rather as, a, as itself, the universe, as an intentional action. Mm. So in one sense, the whole universe would be the act of God as intended by God to be what it is. Well, is this universe that exists different because there's a God in specific ways than it would be if there wasn't a God? There's the question. And the answer has to be yes. <laughs> but then when you say, well, how would it be different? That, that gets difficult because in the case of a human action, if I raise my arm, you can actually see me doing it. But if something happened and it was done by a, an invisible agent, you'd never be quite sure there was an agent there and that it wasn't just a coincidence. Now, I'm not suggesting God is really an invisible agent, but God is not visible and God is not physically observable. So if, if God does something, if God acts in the universe, making it different than it would have been had there not been a God, it actually isn't very easy to see how you could tell that this was done by God and wasn't just a funny event or a coincidence. In fact, I go further and say, I don't think you could be sure whether anything was done by God who is not perceptible to the physical senses. Because you could always say, it's just what happened. Let's assume that God is in fact acting in the world, whether creating conscious entities, whether intervening 
through miracles. What is the mechanism? The mechanism cannot be that of a visible agent causing identifiable change. So it must lie in particular processes in the universe which you can see as purposive, but without having any human purposer to mm. them. And so I think the question comes down to, can you see any purpose of processes in the universe which, which achieve goals of great value, but nobody, no visible agent is, is doing that? So there could be plausibly acts of God, if you like. But if you say, how is God doing it? Perhaps I could use the analogy of the way that human minds exert causal influences on their environment. But of course, we're visible, right? So if you, if, you, if you thought of an invisible human mind, you'd say, well, what I can do is raise my arms. So th there's a bit of this physical environment that can be changed by mental activity, intention mm. and action. So there are bits of the physical universe that can be changed by divine action, but we can't see the divine agent. Miracles in a religious context must have three characteristics. One, flout physical regularities. Two, convey purpose. Three, be deliberate. Amazing things occurring randomly are accidents or coincidences, not miracles. Now, whether there are in fact real-world events that pick out this definition, I do not know. I do know that almost all religions proclaim miracles as signs from God. How could God, if there is a God, make miracles? Five possibilities. One, God could violate the laws of physics, but that wouldn't be a transgression because God created the laws. Two, God could shift probabilities in quantum uncertainties, cloaking God's finger, as it were. Three, God could construct reality richer than a purely physical world. Four, a timeless God might have set or embedded all events. Five, a timeless God might have had only one way for reality to be. I like the idea that God, if there is a God, cannot be bifurcated into creator and sustainer. How one views God's intervention in the world does affect the kind of God one thinks exists. But I don't see how miracles themselves bring us much closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.